Hello and welcome to the ADHD Dive, the show that's not about ADHD, but is filled with proof it exists. My name is David J. Mund, and before we get started today, um, I just wanted to let you know that not only does this episode feature Katie and Andrew from catandcrew.com, but it is also brought to you by catandcrew.com. Uh, I've been mentioning this for a few weeks now, but um, yeah, this episode is supported by catandcrew.com. Um, and this week only, if you head to catandcrew.com and enter the promo code MONDAY, M-U-N-D-A-Y, uh, M-U-N-D-A-Y, MONDAY at catandcrew.com uh, to get 10% off your final purchase, plus a free surprise special gift in your order. So that's not gonna, you're not gonna see it at checkout. It's just gonna arrive in the package. It'll be a fun little bonus content that you get. Um, you can go to catandcrew.com and join the sad boys or sad girls club with these rad koozies. Spice up the house with these snake-shaped tea light candle holders. You can pop a plant in their super cool skull planter and so, so many more things that we will actually talk about later on in the episode. So remember, uh, just go to catandcrew.com, enter the promo code MONDAY, M-U-N-D-A-Y, at checkout to receive 10% off your final order and receive a special gift from Katie and Andrew of catandcrew.com for joining the crew yourself. So one more time, catandcrew.com, promo code MONDAY, M-U-N-D-A-Y, for 10% off your final order. Welcome to the crew, and let's get into the show. Not anything that's like toured or played shows. Um, I was like in a pop punk band in high school, and then I was in like an all girl rock band in college. Oh, um, uh, yeah. More for fun than to like tour and play shows. Although I do love that aspect of it, but I'm really hoping that our band that we're in together gets to play a show soon because we've been working hard. We have like three songs so far. I was actually going to ask do you guys get more validation from like the writing side of things and releasing, or do you like? Is it the shows that makes you feel like a band more? Um, well, my, so my band is like just my best friends, you know? So like even when we're hanging out and writing, it's just like chilling. And then shows are more of just like a party. And I think that ties into why we haven't um, like popped up Cat and Crew at shows because I just kind of disappear at shows. True. And so I'm like, bye, Katie. <laughs> <laughs> it's totally uh, fine. Like we're just having I, I will say for my own particular side of things, like I've gone through the gambit of being a band that played shows, but then we never put music out. Like it, very early on, like you start, I mean, every group of people who want to make a musical project start with like, what do we all know? Like, can we cover a song? So it was a lot of like covers at the start. And then we started making our own music, but we were only releasing that. And for some reason, not playing it at these shows, um, because everybody else was very insecure about the music that we make. But like, to me, that's, that's like what I'm more focused on. Like I want to write things. And then the performance comes as like a side of that. I just didn't know if you guys identified in a similar way to that or. I can, I can relate to it. Yeah. I think I, I prefer to like perfect and then play live. Whereas, like, the guys in my band, they're like, we wrote this sick song. Do you have vocals for it? You know? That sucks. Yeah. We're playing it. <laughs> yeah. It's really and funny. And you guys are more... Go ahead. Oh, it's really funny, too. Like, whenever they're like, we have this song we want to play. You don't have vocals. And then he'll just go on stage, and they'll play the song, and he'll just make up vocals as Hell he's, yeah. like, playing this show. And they sound good every single time. And then, like, he progressively gets lyrics and stuff like that. 
I don't know if it's your scene in any way, but do you know the artist Harry Mack? So he's he's blown up on like the social medias and he's a, the shorts. A, a rapper, right? A freestyle. Yeah, yeah, yeah freestyle rapper. Yeah. yeah, he'll like he he got big by doing these like omegle, um, yeah, live chat for, things. Give me four words or whatever. Yep, give me four completely random words, and I'm going to f- incorporate them into my freestyle. And it's like the most insane, off-the-cuff lyricism that I've ever heard. And like, yes, of course, there are the classics. You know, I'm not huge into the hip-hop world, but like, I'm sure there are those that are better than. But like, he's the best improv freestyler like that's hitting the scene right now that I've, that I've seen. That yeah. talent, I, I just mean that talent to be like, come up with words on the fly. I just don't have. I have. I have good writing abilities, but like off the cuff is very difficult for me. It, there's an algorithm. I have to have like three beers, one shot, and then uh, if I have okay, okay, okay. else to drink, it's just straight shit from there. So you, you guys are also part of like what is considered harder bands too, right? Like more hardcore or like rock adjacent harder bands. Is that correct? So the the band that we're in together is a hardcore band. Yeah. And then like he has been in bands before No Vision. So he's been playing music and playing shows and touring and stuff like that for a really long time. Um, so he's played like multiple genres. Yeah. But so No Vision, I guess, is uh, I call us an alternative punk band. We've been called prop punk. We've been called straight punk. We've been called emotive hardcore. Emotive hardcore. <laughs> all right. All right. So um, I don't know. <laughs> I just say that to um, one of the conversations I recently had with somebody from that old band that I referenced um, is like, I, I obviously love, I don't know if it's obvious, but I love listening to harder music, anything that is quote hardcore adjacent. Um, but there was always an issue with playing it, especially when we were like establishing ourselves as a band, because like we'd show up to these festivals or these battle of the bands or these, we'd be a, a part of a lineup where like we didn't really fit the the ticket. And so it's like, you know, softer or more just like classic rock type bands. And then all of a sudden there's these kids who are screaming and they're just the audience. Like it's not palatable to what a general audience. <laughs> exactly. So I didn't know if like you were still in the throes of experiencing that, like that come up, or if you feel like you've established yourself as an item. And, like, I think this that is we're we kind of smack dab in the middle yeah. between like okay. the soft singy singy and the the hardcore scene sure um we're definitely more friends with people in the hardcore scene yeah but um we can fit it i think also like you guys are amazing performers so i think people also want to play shows with them like one their music is really good but also they're just a blast and they're really good on stage and so I know that people come out, I mean, not only just because they're friends with us, but every single time someone new sees your show, they're like, oh my God, that was so much fun. You're so good. And then they keep coming to your shows. Because I mean, it's not every day that you get to see the vocalist break his nose in front of everybody. So go on. <laughs> huh? Elaborate. <laughs> Sorry, oh, uh, on the spot there. <laughs> I don't know. So you you perform. When yes. whilst performing, do you kind of just like lose your sense of yourself sort of yes yes especially behind the drum set yeah just kind of takes you over well behind the drum set you're hitting things i can't hit yes except for like walls and myself and for the the uh want to not seem like a tile i uh 
you know, I, I ruined microphones. <laughs> I see. Well. Yeah, that was. <laughs> All right, is it, do you incorporate the Steve Austin like bashing the cans or maybe bashing in your head? I should, but that oh, would be alcohol. Abuse. Shower beers or beer? Oh yeah, shower beers. I was in a band called Broke. Okay. And uh, during one of our first shows, somebody decided to pour an entire pitcher of beer onto me, like during our set, and I just kind of sprayed the crowd with my wetness. And then it became yeah. a thing. So. Sprayed the crowd with my wetness. <laughs> beer showers became a thing during bro. Ah, so and not for- shower beer, beer shower. Beer shower. shower. Yeah, that's totally on me. Yeah. I and see. We were a notorious party band too. So like, I see every show we played, it was like something gets broken or we get asked not to play there anymore because we got ah. we broke the TV with our wetness or whatever. Ah, okay, okay, okay. Are you are you familiar with the band The Acacia Strain? I am. Um, so it, it's a little bit harder than what I'm typically listening to. Like you said, I'm I'm more in the I would qualify myself as a pop punk slash alternative punk type of guy, but I can get down to all of it. Um, I went and saw. It was icy stars like Moths to Flames and the Acacia Strain at the Crowfoot in Pontiac. And this is the first time I had ever heard of the Acacia Strain. And I didn't know that their whole thing was, yeah, soaking the crowd. So before they get on stage, all of the like security and their like, um, uh, it's just whoever's helping them out there, they're covering the entire stage and all the sound equipment in garbage bags. And so we're like, what? What is happening here? Right, and then, yeah, show, what's happening? <laughs> yeah, 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 is this a thing? Okay, I didn't, I didn't know this was a typical thing. But yeah, then at, at a certain point, whatever alcohol or liquids got consumed, half of them went into their stomach, and half of them went into the crowd because they were either pouring them on their head and then flipping around, or they were just straight up spitting it out into everybody. So uh, not. You know, this was pre-COVID as well, so the the spitting liquid, you know, yeah. I wasn't so much freaked out. I will out, say but I never spit on anyone. Please <laughs> keep it that way. <laughs> I feel so, like not only will you be kicked out of other scenes, but you'll you'll lose some. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, when we first started dating, well, maybe not like at the very beginning, but the first show I ever went to for um, him and his band, it was a basement show for one of his friends' birthdays. And I walked downstairs and I didn't know about people pouring beer on him at this point. Mm. And so when we were in the basement, they had lined the whole floor with like plastic. You know that sticky plastic that they put on in houses? Like, yes. Yeah. This guy covered his entire basement in it. Yeah. All right. Because of our band. Yeah. (laughs) And so one of our, our friends came, one of his really, really good friends, um, and she like handed me this beer and she's like, oh, you have to pour this on Scavo. I'm like, what do you mean I have to pour this on Scavo? It's like, oh, that's what you do during their shows. I'm like, I'm that's in somebody's funny. house. I don't want to pour a beer on him in someone's house. And they're like, no, that's what the plastic is for. I was like, oh my God. God it all clicks. So did you did yeah. you two meet through the, the music scene then? Surprisingly, I mean, no. To whatever degree you'd like to elaborate on how you two met, obviously feel free. Oh, it's his favorite story. It's his oh, favorite okay. story oh. of all time because he just all loves right. giving me crap about it. Okay. Oh, okay. So we met on the internet. We did. All right. Through apps. Any dating yeah. app you can think of, we met on Sure. It. Oh, okay. Oh. Okay. So, so I. ChristianMingle.com. Oh, that one that's the number one. Farmers, farmers, only. farmers, farmers meet. Farmers only. Yeah. Farmers only. That's what it was. Yeah. 
Um, so like I I can't like use all the dating apps at once and like when I meet somebody I like to like focus on that person I like can't handle talking to tons of people at once and so I get very overwhelmed and so whenever I am like using an app like maybe I'll like stop using it for a minute and like try another app and so like I had accounts on all of these apps but I couldn't like focus on all of them and so I would like swipe on him and then he would match with me after I was done using that app. And so ah. that happened through every single app. And then all right. we finally like connected on Tinder of all apps. And so yeah. that, well, was that one doesn't from from the personal experience of being on said dating apps. Uh, those conversations don't expire. If you don't if he doesn't respond to you in 24 hours after you've matched him on Bumble or something, you might never meet. Yeah, that, that that window may have passed. So the fact yeah. that you diversified your investments, so to speak, probably is what ultimately got you two together. Yeah. So it's funny to be like, oh, how'd you meet? Oh, on Tinder. But when in reality, oh, we matched on every single app. We matched first on Facebook dating. Oh, yeah. Whoa. <laughs> That's a wild I didn't even place. know Facebook dating was a thing. Yeah. Like, it's I, a strange place. I hated it, honestly, because I mean, one good thing about Facebook dating is that it shows you like mutual friends that you have with that person. Oh. But like on my side of it, cool. Like I know that you exist and I could potentially reach out to that person and be like, hey, what do you think of this person? So that you're not meeting like a complete stranger. But on the opposite end of that, people have then access to finding you. And I would uh. have people like go to like that guy's page or that girl's page and then like find me in their friends list and then like i have my facebook pretty private because like people are really creepy and they would go through and like like every single public post i have and like comment and send me messages and i have to block them so that was it is a flawed system I'm glad that you actually referenced that you block them, though. And I'm sorry that this is where the conversation is going at the start of this podcast. But uh, in particular, I was just talking to somebody yesterday about how they matched with somebody on a dating app. And then they, like, became friends on social media. And then they realized, like, it wasn't clicking. But then this person kept messaging them, essentially saying, like, hey, when are we going to get together? A few days go by. Then, like, hey, am I cooking for you? Why don't you come over and I'll make you some breakfast? And then, like, two weeks later, it's like, so are you saying there's a chance? But my my thing is like, I don't know if this is just women in general or what, what like you got to get more comfortable clicking that block button because like the longer that conversation just exists in the ether, the more that this person is thinking like, uh, I don't know, that there is some sort of chance just block or yeah. just official, officially say not interested by. You know, rather than just leaving it floating. It's probably easier for guys. And I'm sure, like, this is not, like, a stereotype. I'm sure guys experience this, too. Um, But, like, guys saying, like, this isn't working. I don't want to, like, move forward with this. Probably works a lot easier for girls. Because I was extremely honest with a lot of people. And, like, I would just say, hey, I'm not interested. Or unless they, like, did something that warranted me just, like, blocking them and, like, not saying anything. Um, Sure. But, like, even if you say, hey, I'm not interested, like, people would still harass you. And so, and then, but, like, I would just block people if that was the case. Yeah, guys suck. I was just going to say, there's the general philosophy that dudes are the worst and can't take a hint. So, like, I mean, not to generalize, but. It's not just girls. It does. It does happen to guys. It just sucks when people don't respect boundaries in general. 
So you you two meet through the dating apps, but at this uh, particular event where there's plastic on the floors and you have to dump beers on his head, to what degree do you know him? Or is she just some dude you've matched with? Oh, no, we're dating at this point. Yeah, so we, oh. met, we met during COVID, so there wasn't many shows happening. Oh. So the first show back was we had been dating for a few months by then. Yeah. So did you meet in like the throes of it or did the dating like get more serious in the middle of it? We met at the end of 2020. Like right when okay. things were opening back up. Yeah. Okay. So you had been not to, you know, we'll try to maybe avoid some of the other um, uh, job conversations. I, you know, we won't reference the particular name of the, the company that you work for on the side unless it becomes relevant oh, to the conversation. Fine. But but were you working um, like were you doing any sort of freelance business on your own at this point before you two had, because obviously we'll get into the conversation about you two going into business together, but yeah. where had you kind of been independently in your jobs? So I worked for a smaller toy, well, not even toy, a smaller craft company. We focused purely on craft kits. Um, and so later on, I like the company I worked for was sold to the big game toy craft company that I work for now. Um, but I had wanted to start my own small business. And before I met him, like I still was working my nine to five. Um, but I had been doing tons of research on the types of products I wanted to make. I had an idea of the types of things that I wanted to make and kind of the branding. Um, so he, we met and it was kind of probably, I don't know, it was like the very beginnings of me being ready to like move forward with it. Um, I had done a lot of stuff on my own, um, but I was kind of getting closer to the, all right, I'm ready to launch this. Like I need to start making a website. Let's start really focusing on the types of stuff we wanted to make. But Cat and Crew did not exist, only in the fact that I had the name and I knew I wanted to make and sell things. And I had some products that I wanted to make. Wait, you're saying Cat and Crew was a thing before Andrew hopped in? Yeah. Because in my mind, and maybe you didn't even, maybe this was never part of it, but Cat and Crew sort of looks like Cat Andrew. Which he loves. He came up with that too. And I yeah. never noticed that before, but it worked out. It just worked out. I thought, that, I thought that was it. No. So, all right. Interesting. Interesting. So Cat and Crew started out as I wanted to find a way to like bring artists and creatives together so mm -hmm. that there would be probably, there would be like the main company which was me but then maybe I would have like these events and I would bring other artists or maybe I would feature them on my website or something I didn't have it like completely figured out yet but it was cat me and crew so and crew could mean all of these other artists that I brought in and like we did stuff together and did collaborations and events and things like that um but I felt like I was biting off a little bit more than I could chew and, sure. um, you know, as a creative, like I've been in the creative world um, for 11 years professionally, um, but I've loved art and to paint and draw and do all that stuff pretty much my entire life. And uh, I make everything for somebody else. That's what my job is, like my sure. nine to five job. I'm constantly cre creating for everybody but me. And so I needed some sort of outlet where I could start creating for myself again. Um, and I love sharing with other people. And so the thought of being able to create the things that I wanted to make that not only I would love, but that would resonate with other people was something that I needed in my life. 
And so that's kind of how Cat and Crew came to be. Um, It was like all these little pieces in my life were kind of happening. And it was like, oh, you know, like I could really do this or, oh, this would be a really good idea for that. And I just started building and building until it was, this is like, this, this could really happen. This could really be successful. Um, And so as that was kind of like turning into something is when we met and he was like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. I want to, I want to do this with you. Let's do it. Yeah. (laughs) So, so, but before you kind of get involved in that process, like obviously you've been involved in music, Andrew, but, um, and to to some degree, obviously I know Katie a little bit, but not, nobody knows each other. Like we're not like, we haven't been uh friends for years and years so i know her about as well as i know you in general is kind of what i mean um what was your kind of stuff before that had you were you doing a nine to five thing had you been interested in like digital art spaces or selling products or anything like that or was this all new to you i've always been super interested in it before we started cat and crew i had dabbled in design i worked as a graphic designer for a phone case company where basically i changed monograms on pre-made designs i see the title so that's where the air quotes came from yeah okay. the title graphic right, designer was complete bullshit but sure. <laughs> uh so i had used the programs before but nothing crazy by any means and i was working 80 hours a week for a factory at the time uh, we so um not i didn't have much time to devote to it so like it was nice that when we hung out I could do that as well. Sure. But knowing that you like existed in the factory space helps supply some type of context, you know, because like it, it does take a, uh, I don't know the best way to say it. It's not something that I could do is more what I mean. So like knowing that, um, not that you were necessarily committed to the grind, but you were grinding just in a, a different way. Oh yeah. Uh, the factory. I mean, I grew up up North, and you had essentially a couple of outcomes. You could either work at a gas station, work at a restaurant, work at a factory, or move out of town. You have no other options besides that. So, like, was that where did you guys grow up? Was it a small town? Were you big city folk? So we live in the Metro Detroit area. We grew up okay. Like it's populated. There's a lot of things to do. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, the way I got sucked into the factory world as uh i was managing at jimmy john's and they didn't want to pay me what i deserved or what i thought i deserved so a friend of mine was like well we're hiring at my factory job and then i just kind of like moved my way up and to the ranks to be a line manager there and then uh when i left there it was because they also didn't want to pay me what i thought i deserved (laughs) sure uh i got out of how do you guys, um, and obviously this supplies itself to be a, or allows itself to be kind of a transition to the more small business side of things. But like, do you have specific moments in your life that you can remember of like the, I'm fucking done with this moment? Like, like the working for other people in something you're not passionate about in any regard like is there a moment or is it just did it generally phase out for you guys um it's a little tough so i have always been really passionate about art and that has been probably one of the biggest things in my life um so i love it i love doing it i love my job when it's good 
Um, but you know, when you work for corporate America, there are mm. some good things that happen. And so like when you have really tough days or you're in a job where you're just not appreciated or you know that, you know, you're being taken advantage of, like that sucks. I've never been like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like I'm always going to want to create. I'm always want to, I always want to do something creative in my life. That's what I meant to do. And I know that for a fact. Um, but it is hard doing stuff for other people. Um, I don't yeah. feel like I find as much joy in it as I do when I'm making something that I'm truly passionate about. Because um, like when you're working for a big agency, you're just pumping out designs for other people. Right. And like sometimes you get some really cool projects. Like I've done a lot of stuff in my life that I'm really proud of and that was really cool to work on. Um, but I think when it's something for yourself, it's more of a passion project. And then being able to share that with other people who feel the same is just a little bit more gratifying. Now, like, was there a hard ending for your factory work, Andrew, or did that become, did that, what did that time get filled with? Like, what are you doing now uh, aside from, um, well, I guess, yeah, take me. When I quit the factory, I started being an independent contractor. I was installing cabinets for a while. Okay. And uh, the guy I was working for just kind of, wasn't great so i okay. i found another job and now i'm the project manager for a uh food equipment supplier for restaurants and such so does that does that like uh does that fit any sort of like uh validation pocket like is it is it adjacent to like you like just kind of the manual labor type of work or is it just the job that came across at the right time and it just so happened to work out for you that one it just kind of the latter. Yeah, I I've always been a all right. I gotta like I don't like doing this work, but I I'm gonna be the best at it, so I can either make more money or learn or whatever. But so now this company I'm working for now, straight forty hours. I do a lot of traveling, um, so I don't have to really. I have more time to focus on our business right sure while we're getting it off the ground and such like obviously the dream is to quit our jobs and continue the business but while it is a still just an after work uh yeah. grind for us yeah um it's nice so i guess that's a good opportunity then to talk a little bit what about cat and crew even is um because well, I mean, for the sake of it, we have to introduce what the business is in the first place. Yeah. But also, um, I, I wonder what your like actual articulation is of it, because it can be observed through like a consumer's eyes. But like, what is Cat and Crew if you were to describe it? Um, we're a small business <laughs> um, okay. that hand makes home decor, jewelry, accessories, clothing soon. Um. I don't know. It's, it's hard to put it into a box because we're still figuring it out ourselves. Sure. Um, but, you know, when you have a certain style and things that you like, like the world is so saturated with stuff all the time. And yeah. it's hard for us to find things that we're looking for, like that we both like that are in our style. Um, it's very niche. Uh, but we thought, hey, like if we can't find it, you know, let's make it. Let's see if we can make something. And um, it is also about that connection because, like, we're just real people and, uh, you know, making cool stuff. I don't know. I feel like well, I will say, lame response. I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll reference it on video. 
this this is not a punk house it's a punk home banner yeah was sent by cat and crew this skull planter was sent by cat and crew that i now have a dragon fruit cactus in there like he's got some spiky hair um just just pulling out other things that you guys sent in the package um these have become one of my favorite things they're so the cute. little uh little tea uh uh tea candle uh what are, what are these what are these actual candles tea lights um, tea light tea light candles um but they're snake holders <laughs> and uh i don't uh, you know i can't can't claim this as like something you're marketing on the website but then got a little custom creation yeah ask, ask me about my correct you are not selling these on the website nope that was just for you okay okay but we got the cat and crew logo a little bit yep so, <laughs> so how intimidating is it for you guys to make that like initial investment into like physical products was it just like the money is there let's do it or was it like we are going to you know go this loan or credit card approach has it always been like what we have that's what we spend or is there like risks you take involved with that a little bit of both um so when i decided that i really wanted to do cat and crew um it was a lot easier for me like it's a slow and steady thing um and one of the things i learned within my career is um trying to figure out ways um to make things special like i wasn't like going online it's like let's see what's trendy okay i'm gonna make this too I don't want to do that. I want to say, okay, what are the types of things that I would like that I'm not finding? And how can I make those special? Or if I get something that's similar to what's already out there, what can I do to it to make it different so that it's not like everything that you see out there? And sure. so there was a lot of research and development in the beginning. I was very, very slow and meticulous about my process. I was not in a rush because I would rather take my time then rush it so that when it was launched, that it was done correctly. And so it's easy when you're taking your time and trying things out, lots and lots and lots of trial and error. So I would order something, I would try it out. I say, okay, this works, this is awesome. And then I would see something else I liked, be like, okay, how could I fit that in? Let's order it, let me try it out. And so it wasn't like a huge investment upfront. Um, and then obviously, Equipment costs a lot of money, so trying to find ways to get it at a discounted rate. So, like, I have a Cricut machine. That was something that I really needed and I really wanted, but I was not going to pay full price for it. And so I yeah. was watching, like, Facebook Marketplace like a hawk. And it was something I would do every single day because it was worth Adjacent it. to Facebook dating, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> That's actually... The market... Facebook Marketplace. Oh, yeah. The yeah. Marketplace <laughs> of Love. I was selling the cricket, you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wow, you were that middle-aged lady? Yep. Whoa. <laughs> you camouflage. Uh, Man, this is really, truly a dive. <laughs> but, uh, but, yeah, so then I got that, and that was a huge game-changer. Um, so then I was able to do a lot more and then I just kept researching until I felt comfortable with the things that we had. And I was very, very fortunate that I have a good job. So I was able to put money towards this business, but it was also like, I, it's not like I'm saving a lot. So it's still, you know, I wouldn't say a, a risk, but I was putting my time and my money towards this business. Mm -hmm. And then when um, Andrew and I met and he started doing this with me, we started talking about like what we both wanted for the business and the type of investments we were both willing to make. Um, so we would always be very smart about the investments that we 
expected. Um, we started off small because obviously you don't want to bite off too much. Um, and so we saw the return on that. And so then, oh, okay, we have a little bit of money. Let's put it towards this. And then all last year, all of the purchases and investments we made were almost 100% through profit from the business. So, oh. yeah. So last year was all, a lot of it was investing from our part, but no like huge credit card, like going into debt purchases or anything. It all came out of like money we've made, savings that we had. Sure. And then last year, uh, 2022 was, it was a profitable year, I would say, saying as everything we sold with the profits from that, we could buy more material to make new things. We didn't have to put any of our own money into it. Yeah. So is that kind of what you're treating the income from Cat and Crew for? Is reinvesting it right back into Cat and Crew? Yeah, yeah. we don't pay ourselves. We reinvest back into the business. Good. Uh, we've taken ourselves out to dinner as like a congratulations. We survived this three day uh, event in the 90 degree Michigan weather. But um, besides that, it's we don't take a paycheck. Yeah. Hopefully this Do year you... we could just like make enough money to pay for our wedding in 2024. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there you go. Yep. And, and one one of the things that intimidates me as a quote unquote small business person is that I find that every time I feel like I'm right at the I'm right in front of where my goal is, where I'm like, oh, I am so close to doing the thing I want to do. The thing I want to do changes. Or like the goal, the goal moves entirely. So like when you initially started, I know that you said that you wanted to, um, you know, make things that were different, but like, were they for you? Like, were, were you initially trying to just make some things that like you wanted at your house and then you were like, oh, people might want to buy this? Or was it always an avenue of like, these, these are things I can sell and that's why I'm doing it? A little bit of both, yeah, I'd a say. A little bit of both. Um, like, let's take that skull planter behind you, for example. Yes. I wasn't able to find... I wanted something like that so bad, and I was not able to find it anywhere. So we had the conversation, and I did a lot of research about mold making, and I actually... We bought, like, some skulls or whatever, and then I molded clay around them to make it look exactly how I wanted it. And then I made a mold. I went to, like, a specialty mold shop to get this mold making stuff which didn't even it wasn't that expensive as wasn't expen as expensive as i thought it was going to be and, sure and then we it's all relative yeah mm -hmm. then we made the mold for it that's uh the first mold i ever made it ended up being it ended up working yeah. <laughs> pretty dope it's pretty dope um so and then that's one of our best selling items because people are like wow you can't find anything like this anywhere that's not mm -hmm. like a cheap plastic or like that's it's made of concrete. It's uh, it's a sturdy product and it's nice for plants because it they, holds, they survive in absorb, it. <laughs> absorbs a little bit of the water. Doesn't let it sit stuff like that. Yeah, and that, so this is maybe a well. Go ahead. Oh, okay. Um, and then like we have these monstera plant leaf coasters. Um, yes, we had gotten those and I was making them for a friend for her birthday. She loves plants. And I said, oh, it'd be so cool. She has a new apartment. Let me make her some um, coasters. And then when we made them, we're just like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. We should sell these. Or I love banners. I love banners and I love totes, but I couldn't find banners 
that looked like what I would put in my house. I mean, there's really cool stuff, but things out there are also really, really expensive. And so we also wanted to make things that were quality, that were affordable. So it was more attainable for people as well. Um, and so like, I really wanted a tote with a scorpion on it and I couldn't find that anywhere. So I made a tote with a scorpion on it and I think it looks really cool. And a lot of people love that tote. So it's just kind of like a mesh of that. So this is maybe a, a chicken and the egg situation, but what came first? Was it like the online retailing or these vendor events? And if so, like, how did you make the jump for the first one? So when we were getting everything finalized with like our first batch of products that we were going to launch, um, I built a website, but it wasn't live yet. And um, one of our really good friends uh, works for... Um, would you like the company that owns the Red Wings? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So, um, and she does a lot of um, Detroit stuff with like their web website. I feel like I'm not saying this correctly. She has like a really cool job. And sure. so she puts on a ton of events in Detroit all the time. And okay. there was this um, event called the Detroit Art Walk series. Um, and it was the first time that they were doing it the first year. And she said that if we submitted as a vendor that we could get in. And that could be our first vendor event. So at that point, we weren't searching for vendor events. It was a good friend of I, a friend of ours, um, offered us this opportunity, and so we submitted for it, and they accepted, which is crazy. Like we had just was, launched. Yeah, we had launched in like four months before June, and this event was October first, right? It was the, like the yeah. first day of October. And so we were like, oh my gosh, okay. And we had launched, we did a soft launch of our business without the website so that we could see how local friends and family um, responded. responded to it. And we would just do like pickups and drop-offs and things like that. Um, and then we, I built the um, e-commerce website. And so we launched that and we got some orders, which is really cool. And then we had this first vendor event. And so it was like completely out of our realm, like neither of us had ever done a vendor event before. But in my mind, I'm like, okay, well, this is our first vendor event. I want it to look as cool as possible, but we don't have a ton of money because <laughs> we're brand new. So I, I went to TJ Maxx to the clearance section and I bought every single thing I could that looked cool that could be used in this booth. And then I told him kind of like a vision for a display and you know because of his skills that he has he built part of our our booth like some of our display hell yeah built, he hand built himself and um we set up at this uh, vendor event and it was really awesome too because they supplied the table and the tent and the chairs so it wasn't like we had to do that up front for something that we were doing for the first time and uh at that event, for all the vendors that were there, they built out little bios on the website for this event. And so that people could go and look at who would be there and the types of products that were there. And they like linked our website and stuff like that. And so that was just kind of like an out-of-body experience to experience that for the first time. And we had this one girl come up to us and we had no idea who she was brand new business we had just barely been open and she said that she came there specifically for our booth and she bought a ton of sweet from us yeah and that was just kind of that was like such a cool moment and i just felt very grateful for that and we did way better than we thought we were going to because we had we didn't know what to expect and you know you're 
the first time business and this is your first time doing something like this. So you don't put very high expectations on it. You just want to sell like, let me sell one thing. And that would be so amazing. Um, and we sold a lot and we have like a really good group of friends. And so, so many people showed up for us. Um, and then because we did that event, we were able to take a picture of our booth, which let us um, apply, for, apply for other vendor events because you have to supply like booth pictures and things like that. I see. Yeah. So that was kind of like a huge door that opened for us. Um, and then we started getting more events after that. And the so that event was mainly our friends coming out and supporting us. We did have a lot of people that we didn't know come out, but um, it was mainly our friends and family. Um, and then the next event that we did, we didn't know anybody and we sold twice as much stuff at the next event to complete strangers. Like we, we like sold out. Super of validating. Yeah, it was wild. I like still can't believe it to this day, like how crazy it is. Like people show up and like you, you would never expect that. And so that's something that we, I wouldn't say struggle with at the moment. It's just like, how much do we make? Cause every vendor event has been different. Like we would sell out of banners at one and then sell one banner at the next, but we would sell out on all of our jewelry or sell out on our totes or something like that. So it's just been this huge, like back and forth wave. And we're like, all right, what products can we maybe stop making so we can bring new stuff in, but everything does really well. And so it's just kind of like learning that back and forth. Now, now, general question. I know that um, this is more relevant to the art itself, but as artists, and maybe this doesn't have to necessarily apply to Cat and Crew. It can just relate to Katie and Andrew. But I have to imagine you are familiar with the term or feeling of imposter syndrome. Yes? Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, if you can maybe talk about how it's relevant to cat and crew but if if it's not maybe expand on it in your own personal lives but my pointed question is like when it comes to these vendor events or the digital sales does that feeling creep in at any point or is it just something that happens in the background because i, I will just say from my own personal experience and this is all projection and anybody who's listened to the podcast know is very intimately familiar with this side of my personality but i always feel like a fraud no matter what I'm doing, like a lot of my stuff is put out publicly. It's whether it's the podcast or my short films, or even if I'm a wedding cinematographer, I feel like everyone can see through me. Everyone actually knows that I'm not good at this. I'm just faking it. When you sell physical art, that sort of, I, I have to imagine there's some sort of imposter syndrome in there. At least it would be from my point of view. Do you guys... I, let me just point it at you. Do you guys identify with that in any way with Cat and Crew in specific? Oh, definitely. Yeah, I would say, I would say yes. Um, do you want to, I'll let you talk a little bit and then I'll go. I feel like <laughs> so much. I well, can talk about this all day. So now you're good. There's, I guess, imposter syndrome when there's a line at our booth or whatever. And we're like, holy shit, man. Like, why are all these people buying our stuff? You know, very grateful they're buying our stuff. But like, sure. then I, you kind of step back. Right. And you're like, okay, well, we've done lots of research. We make sure our product is good. Like, I don't know, you go to some art fairs and you walk by someone's booth and I'm not trying to talk crap about anyone. Everyone's doing what they're doing. Right. No, please go ahead. But you walk by and you're like, oh, 
Yeah. You know, <laughs> I don't know. Maybe yeah. Probably makes me sound like a dick, but yeah. No, no, no. And I'm sorry. I'm cursing a lot. Is that okay? No, please. The more the merrier. Right. <laughs> Let him fucking deal with it. Right. I have a potty mouth and I can't. You listen. This is <laughs> this. The audience that is listening from my side is familiar with it. When it comes to cat and crew stuff, you guys can approach it however you'd like. There has been cursing in it, so. I, if okay. you guys are fine with it is the more important thing um i think i deal with imposter syndrome more in my personal life than in cat and crew because i can't like step back with cat and crew and be like okay well we yeah. did we do make a quality product at mm -hmm. least by our standards right sure um in like everyday life like at my nine to five i'm like what am i doing selling th thousands and thousands of dollars of kitchen equipment to this person you know sure. <laughs> like, i don't know what i'm doing <laughs> but now if you're like representing your own art like does it because I, I ask it in this way some people uh, my friend nick in particular someone that i've actually talked to about it specifically or maybe it was my friend alex um like if he's doing a photo session for a client he's a photographer uh He's more nervous in front of the client than he is if he's doing his own like creative shoot that he wants to promote for himself. Mm -hmm. Whereas I'm the flip side where it's like if somebody's paying me to do it, I sort of get it. Like, OK, I must be decent enough at the thing they're paying me for because they're giving me money. But when I go to put out my own art, there's this voice in my head that like nobody wants to hear this. Nobody mm -hmm. wants to hear me talk about this or expand upon this. I'm not really that good. Why should I put it out in the first place? Does that resonate with you in any way so like a new product or a new yeah you know um i guess with me it's a little bit different um just because like i have been in the creative field for so long um that like yeah when i was first starting out all that all those feelings were constantly weighing on me like especially when i started doing like graphic design for the first time like my first graphic design job i'm like am i really like designing this thing for bentley and then bentley really likes it like how crazy is that and so you go through that a lot and then but as you you go through it and you have success in that um you kind of talk to yourself a little bit differently and you're like no like i i know that i know what i'm doing and that like voice in my head that is making me doubt myself is just fear of failure and so sure. it's it's not that I don't have the ability or the capability to do it. I'm just trying to cushion a fall that could happen. Um, and I always think that I'd rather try and fail than not try to do this thing at all, because that's a bigger failure to me in my eyes. Um, and so when I'm working with Cat and Crew, there's a lot of creativity that goes into it, but there's a lot of technical stuff that I just know because I do it for a living and I've done it um, for like 11 to 12 years now. And so I know a lot of the technical aspects of it and I know like how to handle trends and do things like that. Um, but it is also scary to sit down and draw something and put it on something and really hope that people want to buy it or get it or right. get it. And you know, right. I, yeah, like the like, sad boys club, sad girls club stuff. People yeah. just don't understand that at all. But the people who do like love it so much. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, and that's the people that we're marketing to. And it's not even that we're marketing to them. It's that like, that's us too. Mm -hmm. Like we love it. Sure. Like we'll rep it. We want to wear it things like that. 
And, you know, sometimes I'll put a design out and if people don't like it, I don't take that personally because I like it, but that just means, okay, it's not resonating with people. So let's try something new. And I'm not going to put my energy towards that anymore. Um, but I mean, we, we, we do get really good feedback and, you know, if someone doesn't understand something, then it's not for them. That's not who we're, we're marketing to. Funny side. Okay. <laughs> we, uh, we had a vendor event. We were standing at our booth and this yes. lady walks by our booth. You already know what he's referencing. Okay. Stops, okay. Looks at our, the punk house banner. Right. And she just goes, no. And keeps walking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah oh, wow yeah so we both look well, at each other and you can't help but laugh at that yeah. kind of situation well like, no because that's just a clear display of narcissism and yeah. being a sociopath <laughs> but, it's, but it's also like awesome we made it right like this is yes. what we wanted yes <laughs> we want all of you you people to to hate this it's that for everyone but it's not for everyone you know yeah, yeah. like everybody is welcome like we, we've had all different types of people buy stuff from our booth and like obviously people who buy like the punk house banner or our sad boys club stuff are like into certain types of things but then we also have like the nice little moms that are like oh these are such cute little monstera coasters like it doesn't have to be well i think one of the things that i've appreciated about your website and your art is that it's less about uh, creative exclusivity and more about creative inclusivity that like you're not you're not making banners that say uh this is not a punk house it's a punk home if you don't like it go fuck yourself you've <laughs> you've made art that's essentially like no we want we want things that we know individuals who do not feel particularly represented in this creative space can buy and put in their home um and it does range from plant lovers to punk folks or witchy people which uh, we are all of the above exactly you know yeah. but it but it's not it's not you know you're not excluding any particular type of art or artist or um fashionista you know you're you're including those who yeah. you want to feel included in and so like and when we talked about earlier how cat and crew started and like the and crew part of it mm -hmm. um so obviously i had the name cat and crew before i met andrew and so sure. a lot of people think that it's my my business and we we do do this together um but the crew part of it is kind of all the people who support us like we want cat and crew like the crew to be the community so that's why whenever you buy something you get something that says welcome to the crew we're so happy you're here um because yeah, we're not just that. making stuff we're like we're building a community and like we want it to feel like we're all friends and family and that's very important to us um do you do you currently feature any artists work on your website or is it just stuff that you two have made and custom created specifically like do you uh do you um imagine yourself being a distributor of other works um so currently everything on our website is just our stuff um my mom loves to make jewelry and so at one of our vendor events i did have like a little display for her stuff um as like a featured artist and i'm definitely open to doing more stuff like that um we've done more collaborations i guess i've done collaborations yeah uh, like where we'd send product to friends of ours and they would do their thing on them 
uh, yeah. So, uh, <laughs> and they do like drops or something like that yeah. where we would, there'd be profit or whatever. And, uh, but we, and then we advertise that on our social medias, not necessarily on our website, Yeah, but it's, it's a growing thing. It's not off the table for us to do yeah. that, but. And eventually if we can get cat and crew moving a little bit and obviously getting the equipment that we want to get, eventually we want to offer those types of services to other people. Um, so like we can make our own cat and crew shirts or whatever, but then if somebody needs shirts made that we could also make shirts for them, not necessarily posting about it, but just having right. like sector of the business. Mm -hmm. Well, that's sort of what I meant. Like, so let's imagine, you know, a band pops up and they don't know what they want for merch, but cat they've hired cat and crew separately to do the graphic design and the pressing and all that stuff. Is that something that you are interested in or are you more just focused on? We print our own work, we print our own art and then we can collaborate if that's, you know. We've definitely had conversations about it. Like uh, for instance, we're searching for an embroidery machine right now. Um, and once we get embroidery machine and learn to use it and start putting out our own product, then we can open it up mm -hmm. to like, hey, band do you need beanies made do you want embroidered shirts made and then we can expand on the business that way sure but that's in the that's in the cards kind of is like yeah that's mm -hmm. part of the business strategy okay yeah and like thinking way down the line like future of cat and crew what our goals are um we would love to have a brick and mortar that's like nice. a bar and venue space. So Ooh. like Cat and Crew, we would have all of our merch and that would be part of the business. But then we could have shows and like support the music community and things like that. Basically, we just want to like put all of our passions together. Mm -hmm. Under a roof. Under a roof <laughs> and make a living out of it. So uh, on that note, um, and maybe this is... Uh, I don't know to what degree it's too personal, but money is sometimes an, a, a rough subject to talk about. But one of one of the things that I talk to uh, other creatives and uh, um, small business people about is that fear between the link between your art and your income in that like, if I'm not making art, I'm not getting income. If I'm not making income, then I can't make my art. Does that, does that ever run, do you guys ever run into that? Or what, did you feel like you were off to a solid enough start with an initial investment that you've been able to just kind of flip through it? Um, again, a little bit of both. Um, it's kind of just starting out with what you can do and just understanding that you have to take your time. You can't just put all your money into something. Like you have to make very smart steps about what you're doing. So maybe instead of getting like the most expensive materials you start out smaller and you get uh, more affordable materials and you sell your stuff um, at a lower cost and then as you progress if you have success then you can upgrade and upgrade and upgrade and just have that fluid movement um, but you know sometimes like we I mean we we have had to invest but like we have a lot of ideas right now that we want to make but financially we're not ready to make those yet yeah like, it's been like a, okay maybe we'll start this next month once we have the the means to do it yeah Just right now it doesn't make sense for us to put that much money into it sure so because um, 
equipment's expensive. Like we want to buy a laser, like to start doing like laser work and we want our embroidery machine and we want to get a screen printing press. And that's like, that's huge. So, you know, we're starting out like let's, you know, pay to have like this small run done, see how it does and then start progressing that way. Cause you can only do what you can do. And uh, there's so many different, ways that you can start out it might not be exactly what you want and the quality that you want but I think that producing a lesser quality product like not lesser quality it's still quite like maybe not getting the most expensive paper but like if you're putting well, your art on something and people are buying it that's success well for the for my specific example what I talked to you guys about the other day was that like you know I've always wanted to see my art on a canvas but then I go to look into how, what type of initial investment that's gonna take. It's like, holy shit, I'm paying $60 for a blank canvas to put my art on. And so, you know, you have these ideas that you're like, I would love to see this, but it's more about managing expectations and then evolving them from yeah. there. And being comfortable with the idea that it might take a while. Yeah, um, and getting very comfortable in the fact that things won't work. So yeah. we have done quite a few things that I was so excited about and we just couldn't get it to work because we just don't have the right materials or the, the right equipment for it. And that it would upset me, but it's just because I want it to happen so bad and I was yeah. really excited about it. So it's also like kind of not taking those as like a defeat. It's just a, this is a step towards like what we want to do. And We're also slightly spatially challenged here in this our is true. tiny thousand foot square house. Uh, house. Yeah. We're in the second bedroom of our house. So. Yeah. <laughs> I just combined, I literally yesterday, so the way that our apartment is lined up, there's like a loft. So my roommate lives essentially in the loft, but then there's a living room and two bedrooms down here. The living room kind of just became this general, like whatever goes out there, that's what goes out there. None of, neither of us really exist in there. But these bedrooms down here, one of them was my bedroom, one of them was my office. But I found myself like not wanting to go into work that day, which literally just meant, I just don't go into the other room. So I have now forced myself. I mean, my uh, desk is right there. My bed is right here. That like, there's no excuse. All the things that I need to do for work and client outreach is right next to me, you know? So it's like <laughs> sort of forcing myself to exist in my own creative space. But I think the issue also comes with like uh, this creative space feels so intimidating because I have it. I have to do something with it that sometimes I resent that, that mm -hmm. the, the fact that my art is my income in, in that same regard. So like I have combined this as part of my home and now I have to do it. Um, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. We've um, been, we've been very fortunate where we, we have jobs like nine to five jobs and cat and sure. crew has been like a side thing. Um, but it, it also sucks because some days you're just like, I really want to focus on this cat and crew stuff, but I yeah. have to work all day or yeah. I haven't gotten to do what I wanted to do because I'm just so burnt out from my nine to five. Mm -hmm. um, we've been struggling with that a little bit, um, getting into this year. Um, we were hoping to be a little bit farther along um, than we are, but kind of just accepting that. Um, cause there's no rush. It's all on our time. Like this is our business. We can go at the pace that we want to. 
Um, but it's also like, we want this to be successful so that we can focus on this full time. So it's right. just like finding that balance and then not being too hard on ourselves about where we're at because like we have everything that we need. We just have to sit down and do it and take the time, but we also have to take care of ourselves because having a full-time job and then having a business and then also balancing family and friends and like life obligations. It's a lot for, for us to handle. Sometimes. We are very active. Yeah. It's like, uh, our calendar is full at all times and we're like, Oh, we have a week off here. And then we realize, no, we don't. Yeah. So it's, it's a struggle sometimes to mm -hmm. find time to create and do what we love. But I think that's what makes it so much more enjoyable when we do get to do it. Yeah. I agree. There's, there's two relatable points to that one being, um, that uh, I'm going to talk about this more on, I'm shooting a solo episode right after this as well. Um, and one of the things that somebody wanted me to talk about was like, what are some of the unexpected struggles of being a freelancer or a self-employed person? And I think the biggest part that I'm sure you can resonate with is you get, you get this idea in your head that like, finally, I'm my own boss. But then you realize that like, I never liked listening to my boss. And if I'm my own boss, I am too forgiving of myself and I don't demand enough of myself. It's okay. You'll get to it tomorrow. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So it's like the discipline of scheduling is the part that I'm struggling with the most <laughs> that like I could be investing my time doing this, but instead, because I didn't do that now, this next day, I didn't set myself up for success. So now I have to fill that day with DoorDash. You know, like I have to fill it in with that supplemental income because I didn't take the time to initially invest in myself. And then it starts this cycle of like bullying myself that like, well, I didn't put the time in because uh, I realized in the moment that I wasn't good enough to put the time in. And because I'm not good enough, I'll always be this DoorDash person. Oh, wait, I don't want to be a DoorDash person. I want to invest the time in my business. Now I invest time in my business and I haven't been making money through DoorDash. So I have no money. Like it, it it's just, circle. it's, yeah, it's, <laughs> Never it's and it's, it's horrendous sometimes. Yeah. Um, I, I hate to be that guy. I'm going to take a quick T.O. Okay. I'm like uh, two cups of coffee and a Bell V in. I got I to gotta pee. So I'll okay, no problem. <laughs> okay, okay. For, uh, for those uh, watching the video version, there is not alcohol in this. Although it shouldn't matter. I'm a goddamn adult, right? Are, I can do what I want. You are an adult. I'm just repping the, uh, the koozies. The, the Sad Boys and Sad Girl Clubs, available exclusively at catandcrew.com. Show them off. <laughs> uh, okay. We're going to rip the bandage off. We're going to get into the, the serious shit. Y'all ready? All right. I'm rolling up okay. my sleeves. Let's do it. Be as kind to yourselves and each other as you possibly can. What is it like being in business with your significant other what are the what are the pros what are the cons what are the unforeseen horrors all right um okay go for it so i cry every single day it's the worst mm. thing i've ever experienced i'm sure i'm Kidding. sure it's actually amazing yeah. um <laughs> we are i don't know we don't like argue yeah we, we don't, don't argue we don't fight um like even in our personal lives 
we have never had an argument. No. And I know that's very strange for couples, you know, especially couples that are in business together and live together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We know how to communicate with each other and we're very respectful of the other person and the other person's feelings matter more to us than something that like wouldn't necessarily matter. Um, but we're also very much alike in a lot of ways. And so like if I have an idea and I'll bring it to him, if he doesn't like something about it, it's not, well, we're doing this or you don't like what I like. It's okay. So let's research different ideas. Like what, what could we do to this? How could we make it better and something that we both enjoy or vice versa? You know, we we're in this together and we just want the product to be something that we love. Like we both love. Um, and it's just important to us. And uh, I don't know, we're just a couple of goofballs. We're just having fun all the time. Yeah. And, and uh, it's also like, <laughs> We're both very invested into the business, right? So like, let's say we have an order that we really, really need to get out and we have something that we need to make to get it out. And like, I'm sick or Katie's sick. Like the other one, the other person doesn't have any problem just like taking it over and making it happen. While this is a joint effort, it is very like, okay, this is just what needs to get done. Mm -hmm. So, Are there any times in this in the business development that you have had to step on the other one's toes, whether, whether it's a healthy line of communication or not, but like somebody brings something to the table and there is some sort of a disagreement in strategy. Yeah. Um, so something that just recently happened um, was I'm working on a new design for something and he just did not like the text that I put with it at all. And so it wasn't like, well, I like this and this is how it's going to be we sat down and we researched other ideas. And I was like, I'm not gonna move forward with this design until we're both 100% okay with it and comfortable with it. And I haven't touched that design yet since because we haven't really figured out exactly what we want it to be. And there's no reason to push it because I can focus on something else. And um, another thing that works really well between the two of us is that while we both love to be creative, we both have a certain set of skills that maybe the other person does not have. And so like, I love to be creative and I love to draw and all the artwork that you see is something that I've drawn. Now, Andrew doesn't draw any of the artwork. I mean, if you ever wanted to, I wouldn't be like, yeah. And so, but- It's good to be self-aware. Yeah. (laughs) But he's really good at building things. And obviously he's a project manager. So he's really good at a lot of admin stuff. And it doesn't mean that like we enjoy doing admin stuff, but he's able to help more with the things that I'm not good at. And like, I have a marketing degree. And so I can help more with the marketing side of it while he helps more with the building and the admin side of it. Um, and then I'm creative, but then he'll make sure that things like go well and are done properly and, and things like that. Yeah. Too, and we so. can bounce off of each other. Like, Hey, what if you curve this line in a little bit harder? Or what if you moved this eyeball up a little bit or whatever? Yeah. yeah. I think there's just think- like a lot of respect and love between the two of us that we just work very well together because we don't we don't want any conflict and we we genuinely care about the other person so it's very easy for us to work together. 
Do you think the idea of you guys being artists lends itself to that? Because I imagine it may be different for two people who decide they want to open up a supermarket or some sort of grocery store that like you both understand the pain of invalidation through your art so that like it's more important to lift each other up than I mean again I'm just projecting here yeah um yeah I just uh I know in myself I recognize in myself and this is the part of the podcast where I use my guests as my personal therapists uh but I know in myself that when my ideas especially something I'm particularly passionate about is challenged in a way that might lead me to stop that idea entirely. I don't, I don't know. I just feel like I'm not, I don't know, being respected or appreciated or that my art is just shit. I don't know. Like if this particular example that you gave where you came up with a design concept, Andrew didn't or said he didn't really like the text. It's very easy for me to go, you think I'm shit? You think I'm you think I'm bad? You think I don't know what I'm doing? I wouldn't put this text in here if I didn't know what I'm doing. Like, is that more of a personal growth thing or is that a relationship growth thing? Um I think it's both, yeah, to be honest. And the way that we approach each other is it's from a place of respect and it's not like, why would you put that on there? It's like while so, that is good, I just don't think it is the best it could be. Mm-hmm. And taking it with a grain of salt, because like, like I work in marketing. And so every single day I'm creating content that has nothing to do with cat and crew that tons of people see and would have to connect with. So like if someone doesn't like something, that's okay, because you have all of these people you're marketing to. If one person doesn't like it and it doesn't resonate with them, that means it's not going to resonate with other people, too. So it's how can we adjust this to have it resonate with more people instead of having it just solely directed at like a smaller group too. So I, I now, appreciate criticism because it just helps make the product even better. I have to devil's advocate though. Okay. Um, especially in the YouTube or public space that sometimes there is an opinion that comes out that I feel like I... I would love to validate on an individual level, but when I look at the rest of my art, like, okay, let's say it's this nine out of 10 pieces of art I make are phenomenal. One or nine out of 10 people say that the art I make is phenomenal. One person says that that art is shit. I'm not supposed to listen to that person. Typically. I can't help but listen to that person. Does so, so this is why I say like in this relationship, like my instinct would to be like, I, we've made all these other great art things. I've You've liked all this other art I've made. Why don't you just trust that I know what I'm doing, huh? Mm-hmm. But that's also can a we, me can problem. Can we stop? Can we time out just for a quick second? Yeah, I'm yeah. about to have like a coughing fit. No, please go ahead. This coughing fit is supported by catandcrew.com. Okay, so your question was... Um, if there is a negative comment, you shouldn't listen to the negativity because everyone has like... And why, why are you listening to my opinion? Well, yeah, I guess it is different. <laughs> it is different. That you well, yeah. that's where he was getting. Yeah. yeah. Like, <laughs> why are you listening to this guy? I don't know. because well, no, well, I, don't know, I think what happened in that situation, and I know you haven't touched it since, but so after I was like, I just don't really like the wording. So let's sit down and see if we can find something else. We did. Uh, we probably sat on the couch for a good hour, both of us just like trying to figure out another way to say what we were trying to say. 
And I was like, you know, that might be the best way to say it. So move forward with it. And if we can come up with something else, we will. Mm -hmm. I think that's how that conversation ended because I couldn't think of anything better sure. in my in my dumb little brain. Not so, <laughs> but I mean, also, if you think about it, he is my business partner. Yeah. And so he has like everything that he does and says is with the best interest of the company at heart. Like he wants it to be successful. We both have a certain vision of how we want the company to be and how our products look and things like that. But some troll on the internet just being mean to you in the comics that comment section, like they don't have your best interest at heart. They're just having opinions and know nothing about you. And when you work with someone and you're working towards a common goal, I think that that's more constructive criticism than someone just being ignorant or mean just to be mean. And like everyone's allowed to have their own <clears throat> opinions and it's okay if you don't like something. Um, and you can take that, but maybe instead of saying, this is horrible, may like, I don't like this. Like, what if you did this? And so, and that's something that we talk about too. It's, it's not just a, I don't like this. It's a, okay, this is not what I would like it to be. Let's find solutions. And I think finding solutions or recommendations and things like that and thinking the strategy behind it. When we value each other's opinions a lot. Yeah. And again, maybe less about Cat and Crew, more about Katie and Andrew specifically. Are there times where you let the that public negative feedback get to you individually? And like, you know, if if those examples do not exist, then so be it. But is there anything like musically or creatively outside of this small business world where you allowed the outside influence of someone's opinion that you didn't really respect get to you? Um. We're both really good at leaving work at work. Okay. Um, but there are days where things are really hard. Um, and like, I'll be in a really bad mood or really upset over something. Um, but I, I don't ever take it out on him and vice versa. Like we would never take anything out on each other. Um, <clears throat> I have really horrible anxiety. And this lovely gentleman has been blessed without really horrible anxiety. I'm a Leo, so I basically kiss uh, excellence. Yeah. How do you do it, man? <laughs> Teach me your ways. <laughs> no, uh, <laughs> can I, can, well, I, I actually want to, sorry, I want to pick up on that. Does the idea of anxiety, like, is it a foreign concept to you? Like what? No, I totally get it. I just have less of it. I okay. think, like, I do get anxious about things. Katie can speak to it. And when I do get anxious, I get anxious. Okay. And then it's, he sleepwalks. Yeah. Oh, so, so like, Yeah. So, like, if I'm real, real stressed, I'll start sleepwalking. But Dang. <laughs> um, I just kind of, like I said earlier, I'm a problem solver. I like to hit things head on. So, like, if I'm anxious about something, I fix it. So <laughs> is this more the difference between stress and anxiety, though? Like, it, it seems like you obviously know what you can resonate with stress. You have a very, uh, a history with stress, but like nervous for what has yet to come. Is that a thing that you deal with? Different situations mm -hmm. sometimes, yeah. But then I'll like, I don't know. I just get through it. I push myself to get through it. Hmm. Yeah. Kind of deal. It doesn't debilitate me. So like, if there was a situation 
my anxiety would have me freaking out over the worst possible scenario before anything even happens. Yeah. And he is like, nothing has happened yet. Like we're, we're stressed about this or we're anxious about this, but I'm not like, Oh, the worst is already happening. Like this is, yeah. I'm preparing for the worst. Cause that's how it's going to happen. Yeah. Like what's the worst that could happen? What's the worst that could happen? Like, nah, See, it'll be fine. I get to that. What is the worst that could happen? And then I think about it and then I go, oh, shh, I don't want to do that. But it's sort of like this, like, I can see all of the different multiverses or I can see into the multiverse. Yeah. Whether there's one out of 900 billion chances that this could go the worst way. I'm That's so scared of that one, you know? Mm-hmm. But, yeah. <clears throat> Again, that's a that's a me needing to go back to therapy problem more than anything. I think yeah. you guys have like the same kind of anxiety. Very possible. Yeah. Than I do. I also like really don't like letting people down. Um, like if you are in my life, if we're friends or family, anything, like I value you probably more than people realize. And so um, like if something were to happen and I feel like I would let that person down, even if like they're totally fine with it. But if in my heart, I'm like, I, to me, I am letting this person down because like, I care about you so much. Like, I don't want to let you down in any way. And I really hate it when people are upset with me because I try really hard. Like I'm always taking everybody's feelings and everything before myself, which is not always healthy and Correct. the best route. Um, but like in situations where I feel like I'm going to let someone down, um, my anxiety just like goes through the roof because that's just something personally that I struggle to mentally handle. And so he'll have to like bring me down to earth sometimes where it's like, it's okay. Like if people are upset with you over this, but this is something that's good for your mental health, like they should understand that. And because like, if you know, if they're important to you and you should be important to them and that kind of thing. Um, are, like, are you familiar with we, the Enneagram? I think so. It's essentially, so there are, you know, there's the astrological signs that people identify with. There's also, um, what is it? The, uh, the, where you're like the ENFJ and all of those, what are those, um, like the different personality types. What are those? Uh, yeah, yeah. The yep. Riggs Buyer. I don't know what it's called. Um, anyways, the Enneagram is essentially a classification of nine different personality types, and I'm not very. I'm not going to be able to articulate it in the way that I want. But people who are a one on the Enneagram scale tend to align with what you're describing here. Like it's more rooted in people pleasing, despite the negative repercussions that it could have on my own life. That like. I, I just want there to be peace. I just want to be, you know, a good boy or a good girl. I want to be seen as good, um, mm-hmm. whether that fucks me in the end or not. Um, yeah. So not to diagnose you, but it sounds like you're one on the Enneagram. Yeah, I definitely had a bigger problem with people pleasing like earlier in my life. And I've started to make more healthy boundaries. Um, but I do like, I do care about people a lot. Um, and like, if someone were to do something to me that I would never do to them, like that really hurts me too. Um, but like, I have gotten better at like saying no and, and doing things like that, but like kind of pushing it back to like cat and crew, we've had a lot of really amazing feedback, but we have gotten one 
bad review. And it ruined okay. her month. Yes. Yeah, I was so oh my God. upset about yes. it. <laughs> it does. Now, was, was it an like, authentic... sucks, dude. Not, <laughs> Don't not to... think about her. Yeah. Well, not to grant them any credence, but like, was it something relevant like was it something that was there had an element of truth and that's why it hurt or was it so out of left field that how could anyone say that um they i don't i don't want to put anybody on blast because this is like a public forum um well there's one public review so i think they're going to be able to find it (laughs) well um they i could say that they purchased something and broke it meaning that they they uh, ruined the integrity of the piece. Okay. And so, and they broke it. And then they gave us a review that we have poor quality items. That's a them problem. It's definitely a them problem, but yeah, yeah, yeah. it was our, it was our very first negative. It's review. our only negative review. Yeah. Yikes. So and now that we have a negative review and it shows up because we're not going to delete them. It's like you yeah. see the most unbelievably talented person on a YouTube video and there's one thumbs down and you think, who? is that one person but there's always somebody there will always be somebody yeah (laughs) and and also it's like kind of going back to i've mentioned to you offline a few times about like our first run of like screen printing stuff did not go very well and like that really upset me because we worked so hard to create these products and now i have these things that i love but like i don't want people to have (laughs) anything that's not 100% perfect. And we have friends who are like, oh, just like put it up at a discounted rate or people will still buy this kind of thing. But it's like, it's hard because you, you want people to have it and you're like, yeah, I, I could put it at a discount, but then you have these things that aren't to your standard out in the world that people are using. Right. And that's really hard for me too, because again, like we are so passionate about this and especially like drawing something and putting my designs on things like that's like a very intimate experience. Like I'm sitting there drawing for as many hours and thinking about how I want to do it. And then figuring out how it's going to look on a shirt and what the message is that I, that is going to be on it and who's going to buy it. And like that experience, like, it's just very like, I wouldn't say emotional, but like there's a lot of my heart that goes into it. It's very personal. Very personal. Yeah, that's the, yeah, that's the right word. So it's very personal. And so when I'm expecting something for the amount of time I'm putting into it, and it's just not to my standards, or, you know, you get a review about something that's not necessarily your fault, but you've put all of this, like, time and energy and love into it. I think that that's why negative reviews hurt so much. And I also wish that people were a little bit more forgiving of small businesses um we have like on our website you know this is handmade like there's nothing's going to be identical there are going to be some inconsistencies and imperfections because we're literally making it to order with our hands and Mm -hmm. so anyone can go on our website and be like oh like let's get this skull planter or oh let's get this piece of jewelry or whatever but like i'm sitting there hand picking each stone I'm saying like what goes into this. So this bracelet looks different than any other bracelet that you're going to have and things like that. Just so like people understand, like it literally is just us two doing all of this. It's not like we have these huge machines doing it. Like there are going to be imperfections. We make everything in a nine by eight foot bedroom. Everything is made in the room you're in currently right now. Or within the four walls of our house. But this is our studio. 
this yeah. is where we make we do most... concrete stuff in the garage because yeah. it, it gets messy but yeah, yeah, yeah um so the difference between expectations and hopes for whether it's the next 365 days or as far out as the five years, where's the gap between what you hope to accomplish and what, you know, I don't know if you guys believe in the whiteboard philosophy that, you know, or manifesting things, but what are some things you're trying to manifest and what are some things that you like actually expect is achievable within this next five years as far as your long-term plan? Because anything out further than five years is maybe a little foolish to think about. I don't know, but that's just a personal, who knows, whatever is going to happen. Just... Mm -hmm. Anyways, what do you expect? Um, sorry. I'm going to have another coughing fit. How dare you? <laughs> On my podcast, you think you can clear your throat? I'm trying. <laughs> I'm trying not to breathe, you know? Yeah. It's one of those things. It's just getting redder and redder. And yeah. Redder. Please enjoy this next coughing fit break brought to you by CapitanCrew.com. I just want to remind everybody one more time that this episode is brought to you by catandcrew.com. It doesn't just feature them, but uh, they are also offering ADH Deep Dive listeners and viewers exclusive content. Uh, you can get 10% off of your final purchase um, through February the 24th by going to catandcrew.com. Enter the promo code MONDAY at checkout and get 10% off your final purchase plus a free special gift inside your order. You're not going to see that order at checkout. It's just going to be a nice, fun little surprise when you open up the box when it lands on your porch. You're going to get a timely delivery. You're going to get a really cool special gift. You're going to get 10% off that final purchase by going to catandcrew.com and entering the promo code MONDAY, M-U-N-D-A-Y, for 10% off your final purchase. Thank you to Cat and Crew for sponsoring this episode of the show and also for being my guests. So let's get back to that conversation, huh? There was something we were about to transition into, and then you yes, so, so rudely sorry. interrupted me with your th I'm so throat sorry. clearing. Um, oh, yeah, no, sort of expectations for the next five years versus what right. you realistically believe you can accomplish and what do you, what are those uh, things you're really shooting for? So we, at the end of this past year, we did a huge order of all new stuff. So we want to start... Um, producing all new stuff. We've had pretty much the same um, line of products on the website uh, for the last year. A few new things here and there, but we want to do like a completely new launch of products. We have a whole list of stuff coming out. Um, and that stuff is for sure happening because we have all the supplies to do it. Mm -hmm. We just have to start making things. Um, a couple things are, <clears throat> excuse me, brand new um, items with brand new um, materials that we've never done before. Um, and we're also kind of taking a, not necessarily a brand shift, um, but focusing a little bit more on certain styles um, than we have in the past and trying to hone in a little bit on what makes us so special. Not just like, oh, we make home decor, but like, what do we make? Like, what do we specialize in? What's our main focus? Um, and we have a lot of aspirations for that. So I think, <clears throat> excuse me, within the next year, a lot of new stuff that's coming out and then seeing how successful that is and then also moving more into clothing um okay. because we have a lot of ideas for that it's just getting the equipment we, we need we have tons of designs and kind of going a little bit more into the clothing route cool than just like a couple of shirts here and there andrew anything do you have anything specific that you want to have Andrew's touch on? <laughs> um, 
you know, I know we're like really heavy into the product development stages of things right now. Um, and I, even on our website, you'll see Katie is the, she designs everything and I'm the make shit happen guy. Sure. I just, Oh, it actually uh, says if, that in your bio too. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. If, uh, if something needs to happen, I'll make, I'll make it happen. But, uh, so right now product development, we need to get ourselves in gear and focus on actually doing the stuff that we want to get done. Well, some, I don't know if you can hear our dogs are freaking out right now. Uh, I actually can't. <laughs> Oh, okay. there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Just getting now that we've received everything. I think we got our last package yesterday. Yeah. Uh, now we can take our free time and start product development and yeah. everything like that. So, which is like a whole other thing too. Like, you don't you you can't always plan for all these things to happen. Yeah. And so, like, we bought a bunch of stuff for a new product, and I got it, and it didn't work. It was the wrong size. It was the wrong size. And so then I had to order all new stuff, even though I haven't made any money off of the stuff I've already purchased, in order to make the thing. And then you have to wait for that stuff to get in the mail. So now we're good, and it works. Well, I also mean kind of in, like, a, a personal sense, too, that, like, do you hope slash expect to be... Like, do you want Cat and crew to be full-time so you can leave the side stuff? Or do you like this remaining more of something you can apply passion to, not demand? You know, like, do those fit into those expectations? They do. Um, so we would love for this to be our full-time, 100% thing, right? Uh, the working for yourself aspect of it. It's just right now we are taking the time to figure out what this business is and get to that because neither of us have the means to just start paying rent on a building right now. Sure. And um, it would be, it's a fear of diving into the deep end, I guess. Like there's been times Katie's been very stressed at work and I'm like, why don't you just quit? And it's like, well, I can't because I have bills. Mm. And that's the terrifying thing, right? Mm -hmm. So right now we're just applying our free time and passions to it till we get to a point where it's like, oh, I could, we could, we could make this happen. And I think that since the business is self-sustaining to this point, that we're on track for that. We don't necessarily have a timeline for it. Right. But we are on track for our goals, I would say. Okay. Yeah, and I'm, I like to take risks, but with this type of thing, I'm very cautious because I don't want to rush anything. Like, yeah. I just want it to be done correctly. And, you know, we're both very fortunate where we have really good jobs and we live comfortably currently. And so to quit our nine to five, to just focus on the business, like we would have to, we have to be pretty level on the income we get from the business to match what we're currently bringing in. Sure. Um, there'll probably be a little bit of fall off with that um, just because, you know, you're making and selling things and it's a small business. Um, but we are very, very confident that Patent Crew can be really successful. And, you know, we have a really amazing following and, and we really love all the people that support us. And it's just like, it's just so crazy <laughs> to me like how much people like our small business and show up for us because, you know, you start out thinking, yeah, we're going to start this and, you know, people are going to like it and people are going to, 
you know, buy some of our stuff. But you don't think in a million years that someone is going to come to your booth constantly and buy a pair of earrings, the same pair of earrings every single time, because when they're out and about and someone sees their earrings and it's our little to gold tooth earrings that we make and sell. And they're like, wow, that's so cool. And the person literally gives them the earrings like out of their ear and then come back and buy a new pair. All right. Like, that's just like, that's just like so crazy. That's to me. cool. And that's a pay it forward yeah. mentality from a customer. <clears throat> yeah. And like, that's at the end of the day. Yeah. Making money is, is nice, but like, I don't, I don't, I don't do it for the money. Like, yeah, we want to do it full time and money is nice, but it's genuinely the, the, doing what we love, making what we love, making those connections with people, building this community. Like that's really what. And that's why we so. don't pay ourselves out of it. We just want to invest back into the company and just keep making it better and better while also being able to live life and survive. Like, like we reference at, at the top, like one of the things you don't realize about doing the small business thing is you think finally I'm in control. But that's really overwhelming, and the the power of having control over myself makes me feel out of control. So some people, I'm sure, kick back into liking the idea of having a boss, but that ain't me. Uh, so, okay, I'm sure we've referenced it plenty of times, whether at the header or in some sort of pre-roll, but where can people go to buy your stuff? What kind of stuff is you know, if this episode's airing on the 20th of February, what kind of stuff is popping right now that you'd like to see sold a little bit more? Um, yeah, just give yourself a plug. Um, well, our website is www.catandcrew.com. Um, we're also on Cat. Instagram. Spell. K -A -T. There you go. K-A-T. My name is Katie. K-A-T-Y. Right. So Cat, K-A-T, and Crew. Um, we're also on Instagram and Facebook. Hopefully TikTok soon. I'll snap. And then um, we make home decor, like banners and planters and votives, um, more like alternative style stuff. Uh, we make jewelry, uh, mainly bracelets and um, earrings and rings. And we have wax melts. Um, we've done candles a few times. I don't think those... We don't have those in our website. No. <laughs> um, <clears throat> what else we got? Skull, these little skull, point, skull wax melts. Yeah, skull wax melts. Um, I have some prints available. Um, but yeah, I don't know. You buy whatever, whatever you like, yeah. whatever speaks to you. <laughs> uh, anything else y'all would like to lob out there for any plugs or vendor events coming up soon, or is that not happening till the summer? Um, currently, we don't have anything scheduled, but we do have some new stuff coming out. All it's right. literally off screen right now. It's like right. right here. I have something brand new that I'm finishing up, and uh, that'll be available soon. Well, then once... Keep, what did you say, Andrew? Sorry. Keep your balls peeled. Keep your balls peeled. Uh, yes. So, <laughs> um, uh, I'm going to cut this part of the podcast, but maybe maybe my my eyeballs could get a, a glimpse once the once it ends. Okay, wait, but wait, don't pull it up yet. Don't pull it out yet, uh, because we're going to actually add some intention to the to the ending. So thank you guys for joining and for the stuff that we haven't talked about very publicly. That'll all be all that information will be available at the start of the podcast as far as codes and that go. But yeah. Thank you guys for coming on to the ADHD job. I appreciate you.
Thank you for having yeah, us. Yeah, thank you for having fun. us. Yeah. First time podcasting. Oh, uh, yeah. <gasps> oh, wait, first podcast for Cat and Crew? Yeah. Oh, first man. time podcasting for either of us in general. Yeah, forever. It's my absolute honor. All right. <laughs> All right. So I'm going to cut the podcast. You guys hang out on the line. Thank you. We'll see you next week. <laughs>